0: Have you ever let your emotions get the best of you and cloud your thinking? Can anyone say affirm that at all? So, if not, maybe. <laughs> so you don't have to say. You don't have to say what what happens, but <clears throat> it seems to be something that that all of us have experienced that have not been fully sanctified yet. Um, so. So we can kind of maybe maybe be more uh, you know objective like so why do people not yourself but other people right <laughs> the others in the room uh, why do they why 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 are, what are reasons that people let their emotions kind of get the best of them um, and maybe cloud their thinking what are some some reasons that those things happen I would say selfishness is the main okay so selfishness Um, self-preservation, self-interest. Okay, that would be a very good reason. Okay, pride. uh, There could be a, (coughs) if you're corrected, you don't want to let it know that maybe you didn't know the answer or you didn't know what you were talking about or for whatever reason. So pride, and that can also be rooted in selfishness and (laughs) self-interest. What else? What's that? Tragedy. Tragedy. Okay, what do you think, what do you mean about that? Okay, so like, uh, oh, so a tragedy happens, and you're just thinking more. But you're kind of overwhelmed by emotion and, and the the devastation. Okay, yeah. So certainly, like the gravity of of what's going on can can overtake our thinking. Uh, certainly, yes, Laura. Lack of self control. Okay, um, that can definitely play a part in those things, and that can lead to like anger, or you know, the other way, just closed, closed being closed off. Um, so, that can definitely play a part of it. There's other emotions, too. Anything else, I guess? You can probably think of a whole, whole litany of things if you're like, what was the last time that that happened? You know? So, it could be fear, uh, right? You know, fear or, um, again, that could be the selfishness, self-preservation, that idea of, you know, kind of protecting yourself. Um, and so, honestly, you know, often it's it's typically we react that way when we don't feel, and I guess let's go with what Laura said, is when we feel like we we aren't in control. Um, when we're not in control of a situation, we often act out of emotion and let emotions kind of uh, take over, empower us, or you know, protect us, and whatever reason. And so, as we're looking at what's going on here, we've got two groups that are that are kind of looked at, in and this. Uh, you know, the last week or last time we met, and then this time, um, kind of what I titled this was a tale of two responses, because we've got two different groups. We've got these uh, kind of two groups of leaders. One is the leaders of the Jewish uh, religion, uh, the institution there in Jerusalem, and then you've got the leaders of the, the church, um, the Christian church, uh, that's going on in Jerusalem as well. And you've got these two groups that uh, become in contact with one another, and the way that they respond to one another we see are very different. <clears throat> so we're going to kind of look at that and then uh, dive in a little bit deeper for the, the text that we didn't get to. So start. let's start in verse 12, and I'm going to read through and kind of recap a couple things, and then we'll pick up in verse 33. It um, was what we didn't get to. So Acts chapter 5, verse 12. And so we read, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done, And they were all healed. And so this is kind of what we see. Um, you know, it's, it's normal for smaller groups uh, to go unnoticed. I mean, if you know, there's plenty of gr- smaller churches, smaller groups, things you know, you know, outside of what's going on in our realm that are meeting today that we just have no idea exactly what they're talking about, specifics. And so they go about their business kind of not being noticed and not getting any attention. But as their popularity increases, right, they get the tension of you know, other people in the community, um, especially those that are in leadership positions. And that's what we're seeing here, <laughs> that people are coming outside Jerusalem, bringing people as uh, the believers are meeting right near the temple. In Solomon's portico, and as Peter is walking down the streets, like people are uh, hoping that his shadow will fall on them. He's kind of like being treated maybe like a rock star, right that as he gets out of his limo, you know that people just want a glimpse of him. but Peter, you know they just want a, a glimpse you know Jesus had the same thing where if they could just reach out and touch his robe, that maybe that they would be healed and in this sense, that if Peter's shadow just fell upon them that people might be healed as well. We're not sure if exactly if, if Peter's you know, uh, shadow healed anyone, but that's, that's what we see. And so, um, so they're gaining kind of, uh, notoriety. They're gaining kind of, uh, attention and they were already on, uh, the leaderships, the Jewish leaders, um, radar because Peter and John had already been arrested. We'll might touch on that a little bit, uh, a little bit later. So that's kind of where we're at, and this is the reaction that we see in verse 17. And We see that <coughs> uh, part one, uh, the first point that we made in part 1 was the jealous versus the jailed who just kept teaching. It says, The high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prisons. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. All right, so we'll pause there. Um, So if the message that they're teaching threatens the establishment. Again, if they were free to, to kind of, you know, if they still were this small group that was going unnoticed that, you know, maybe it was a handful of people, probably wouldn't, you know, have any record of it or probably wouldn't know exactly what's going on. But if there is a message that they are teaching that threatens the establishment, then the leadership is then feeling like they need to kind of step in and take care of this issue. So, what would have threatened the leadership? So, what would have threatened the leadership about this group of Jesus followers? Of, What's that? Different opinions of um, holding uh, things that they can do and what they can't do. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Do you have anything specific as, like, example? Okay, okay. Um, Yeah, and we'll see this become actually a bigger deal up to this point. Now, uh, we haven't quite seen as far as dietary restrictions being um, taken off because this is still a group of Jews that are uh, meeting. So they probably would have still kept some of their Jewish traditions, the Christians at this time, as far as what they were eating. (laughs) It's when the Gentiles start getting kind of intermixed with the group that we start this becoming an issue. But we'll unpack that. But that definitely would be... Um, something a little bit later on that will become a huge sticking point, especially when Paul starts teaching and and preaching. Uh, But at this point, food not yet, but maybe what are some other things? Okay, now that would be a huge thing um, as far as the message was the the resurrection of Christ. And I think that's kind of an important piece because um, when you see in verse 17, they mention the party of the high Who What is the party of the high priest? You see that in verse 17? The Sadducees. And what do the Sadducees believe? They don't believe in the resurrection. Or, yeah, so what do they don't believe? They don't believe in the resurrection. But one of the major, huge uh, points of contention was that Jesus came and taught and rose from the dead. Now, Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, right, but to fulfill it. And so there's a lot of things that were still going on. Although there are certain things, they're meeting at the temple. There's probably certain things that they're still doing. Um, we're not quite sure day-to-day practices, but uh, they're probably still acting a lot like Jews. But Jesus is who their focus is on. And the fact that Jesus came and rose from the dead, that he is their Messiah, like that would be the major point of the message that they are teaching. So because of the, the, the group that is coming together, which is the Sanhedrin, we, we might talk about that a little bit, a little bit more, uh, to come and kind of rule over and make a judgment on this group, um, <coughs> A major faction of them are the Sadducees, and they don't believe in the resurrection. Now, there is a partial, uh, a a large makeup that's in the the Sanhedrin that are the Pharisees, and they do believe in the resurrection. We'll actually see that become an issue that uh, Paul uses to have them fight amongst themselves, but that's not until chapter 20, whenever we get to that, Um, 20 or 21, around there. So, uh, one of the, the big things would be the message. Um, the other thing would be, what else would you think would cause them to, and I kind of alluded to this, yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Basically, it's
0: what they expected of, of the Messiah. Okay, and are you saying the Jewish leaders would have expected that? Yeah, and, and others, <coughs> well, not
1: just them, but that's what they expected. But it, it it's not it the
0: case it wasn't the case at all. Yeah, and, and you see that that Paul has to kind of sometimes uh, yeah. uh just, you know um, teach about some of the confusion that might come along with that, uh, that even the followers of Christ would would have been having. But they they might have dismissed the leaders might have dismissed this group because you know, their Messiah was crucified, so he can't be the, the chosen one. But they say, well, he rose from the dead, and then again, that's again what the issue is, is that, well, no, people don't rise, rise from the dead. So there would have definitely been an issue with the message. <clears throat> there would have been an issue with um, kind of the, the movement that was starting to swell up, again, as, as uh, numbers increase, um, and where they're meeting, it would have, you know again, gained attention to people who... Uh, may not have you know, followed Jesus at that time <clears throat> that are going to the temple, and they're like, well, what is this group about? And we hear the things that are going on. Um, again, some of the things that happened earlier with Ananias and Sapphira uh, dying um, got a lot of people's attention, and it said that everybody on the outside held them in high esteem. And that's the other thing is that they were not just a fringe group that were just some crazy people that, you know, you live the way you want to live. They were a highly respected group. And so, this movement, it says that they were starting to cause jealousy amongst them, right? That they were filled with jealousy is what the end of verse 17 says. And then probably the third thing is that the reaction of this group, that when the leaders kind of stepped in and said, all right, you know, you, you can't be teaching these things, that they didn't just uh, acquiesce and say, okay, that's, that's fine, you know, we understand, we'll... We'll take our teaching outside of town or we won't bother. They're like, no, we're, you know, we're going to, we're staying here, right? We're going to continue teaching. We're going to continue doing what God has asked us to do. And then we saw that in chapter three, that they were arrested, chapter four, and uh, then let go. But they were told, do not teach. So jealousy was kind of the, 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 the heart kind of um, uh, emotion that we see going on here at the beginning. Continue verse 21, it says, Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. So again, we said that that senate of all the people of Israel, um, the, or the council and all the senate means this group called the Sanhedrin, which was their, uh, body of uh, judicial body that met every day in the temple in the morning, and that they would, um, uh, dig, you know, make judgments, um, on, um, things that needed judging. In this case, it was like we're going to we're gonna bring them before them and decide what to do with, with this group. Verse 22, But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And then someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet here you fill Jerusalem with your teaching, and you've, you attend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. And the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Okay, so they were filled with jealousy. They arrested them. They put them in a prison. Then overnight, they met together, you know, uh, the, the... Apostles were let go, or not were let go. An angel came and released them, right? And um, then they couldn't. Then when they the council came together to meet, they were like confused, like, well, "Where? What's happening? Where did they go?" You know, the guards were still outside the door, and uh, one of the guards, Captain of the guards, came and said, "Well, they're outside, right outside the temple, just teaching um, in the courtyard." And so uh, now we have kind of this jealousy turned to confusion. Why do you think now? The same result happened, right? They they were let go, but then they were brought back before the council. And so one of the things I I kind of was was thinking about this, why do you think, we're going to do a little bit of speculation, but why do you think that God allowed them to escape? Because end result was they escaped in the night, but then they were brought back before the council regardless. It's not like they escaped and then they were set free. But why do you think that, that God had this event occur? Why do you think? OK, so part of his plan, and ultimately to bring him glory, and we could say that about, about anything that, that happens. I definitely think that's, that's true. Um, what more? What more do you think that uh, would come about because of this escape and recapture? Okay, why do you think they would do that? The Jewish people. Yeah. So you said so. Hopefully, to, to have them maybe come believe themselves. Why do you think those do, like that would happen because of this? Well, Christ, God would
1: make it happen. I mean, He is trying to reach everyone.
0: Okay. Uh, Christ. Okay. And uh, He's bringing he His message with emphasis to the Jewish leaders. Okay. So what? Um, I think He was trying to. Okay, so how to be divine intervention that allowed them to escape, or at least them having to pause and start to think, instead of like all their focus being on, all right, let's get this done, let's like try them. Last time they came, they brought them before them. They spoke, said almost the same thing that they said here, um, that, you know, we have to obey God, this is his message. They kind of preached a little bit of the gospel. They said, you are the ones who crucified Jesus. And they were probably like, let's just kind of get them in front of us, like get them through and, uh, and punish them. But because God had this escape, it like totally set them confused and their game plan was probably altered. You know, if some of them were going to lead this, the high priest, and, and just kind of push them through like they tried with Jesus, um, this definitely had them put the pause button on. Also, it would probably for some would be like, maybe this is God, right? Yes.
1: Before Christ was crucified. And and when they first came when the leaders first came after Christ was crucified came before them, he says, In the past we've had uprisings and they've gone away. Yes. These guys aren't
0: going away. Yes. Maybe then they would remember that. Right. And go, this is what one of our own leaders said to us. Right, and that's what we're gonna get to in just a second, as we're gonna we're gonna unpack that. But I think he kind of brought up a good point. Even though we don't know if Gamaliel was there for Jesus' trial, he, he, most li- he most likely was. <coughs> um, we don't know if the full council came, but probably in this case, you know, in that case, uh, you know, a lot of the leaders and Gamaliel certainly would have known. And so this would have allowed them to kind of put a pause on what was going on. Yeah, and the other thing too is that Jesus—I mean, Jesus had the uh, right the um, the upper hand in the sense that he could—he knew the thoughts and hearts of, of of the men that were coming. They often come came to like put him in a uh, catch him off guard, right? They tried to trick him. Uh, usually, when he was teaching, they would ask him questions, and then Jesus would kind of turn the tables, and they were like, "Oh man, foiled again." Um, <laughs> But in this case, right, it was, it, God kind of intervened in this way to kind of catch them off guard to say like, okay, now they, br- now they brought them in because uh, they were confused about where they were at. And now they brought them in. Okay, now let's have this trial. Um, but things definitely wouldn't have been as settled about how they were going to take care of this, right? And so we see the council now is becoming angry, all right, that's uh, the the group that they, they say the same thing. You can't teach about Jesus anymore, or we told you not to teach about Jesus. And they're like, listen, we're just obeying God. We're obeying what God has commanded us to do, and so we're doing it. And so we see that they are remaining steadfast in what Jesus had asked them to do. But it's the leaders, who so like the ones who seem to be in power, that are starting to get agitated and letting their emotions take over. And when we talked to them about the very beginning, like, why do sometimes we let our emotions take over? It's, it's because sometimes we don't feel like we're in control. Like, for these apostles, like, it's also confirming to them, they could have stayed overnight and then faced the council, but how much more resolute are they going to be that the fact that they, like, escaped, you know, without anybody stopping them, and they're preaching back in the, you know, they, they had to take that step and preach again in the, t- the temple. When they come back again, they're like, you know what, I think God is really... Is, is really, like, moving in this. And so they, they, again, remain resolute because they know that they are right in, in God's plan. Whatever happens, you know, this, so far nothing bad has happened, meaning, when we say bad, like nothing, uh, no violence is enacted against the, the, the people, uh, against the apostles. And so far they're, um, they're able to stand stand firm. And so that's what we're seeing here. Um. What do you think should have been the, the response of the judging panel? Even after they say, "Okay, we, we must obey God." Like how do you think if this is a true judicial council? <clears throat> how do you think like what what do you think the 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 emotional state of the group should be? Let's hear out. Let's hear more. Yes, probably more like let's hear their reasoned arguments, All right. They should be kind of calm and collected, right? If they're really the ones that are in charge, if they're really the ones who are going to be rendering a verdict and what's going to happen, um, they may even be a little dismissive. Like, I think these guys are just a little bit crazy. Like, I know they think that Jesus was their Messiah. They, they think that there's a resurrection, um, but we know that that's not the case, right? If they were, The Sadducees could have been like, you know, we know that they're just, you know... <laughs> They're a, little bit, they're a little bit crazy right now. So they could have, could have taken that route, but we don't see that. They could even maybe be curious. Well, just tell us more about exactly what you believe um, what for that. The human side of all of this,
1: where the apostles are preaching that Christ was the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, and that they don't have to go to the priest with their sacrifices So the grocery store. Is kind of, you know, you've got thousands of people that have accepted you know, the Lord. Right to the temple with their lambs and their doves and making sacrifices, which the priest ate
0: off that, okay, that's true, that's true. Yeah, so the temple treasury probably had a little bit of a hit for like the money that was being put in and uh, some of those other things. We're not quite sure exactly what it looks like, what their customs look like. We know that they were meeting together and, and having meals together. As far as practices, we're not quite sure. We know that if you read the book of Hebrews, right, the author of Hebrews has to kind of like start saying like, hey, you're... Some of you are acting a little too Jewish. Um, you know, some of the rituals you're you're still relying a little bit too much on, and and so, um, but, but we're not quite sure. But I'm sure that a lot of the money, right, because people were selling land and they weren't giving it to the temple, they were giving it to the apostles to distribute amongst themselves. Hey there, how are you doing? It's all right. It's all right. You're good. 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 <laughs> uh, Right. And, yeah, and, and obviously in the in winning over the people. And for the, the judicial group, again, it sh- sh- should be the same with Jesus, right? When, uh, um, when Nicodemus came to Jesus, right, he, he affirmed, like, we know that what you're doing is from God because you're doing all these healings and you're turning water into wine, if they had heard about that. You know, some of these things that, that had happened, but we're still not buying in. Right, And so they're they're still trying to kind of reason themselves through, but we see their emotions taking over. And that's really what we get to <coughs> in the, the third. So they became perplexed, and then we're going to see that they get angry. Um, and so they're angry, but the apostles remain, who get assaulted, they remain uh, resolute to keeping, uh, to teaching. So verse 33, it says, When they heard this, they were enraged. They wanted to kill them. They just they just lost it. They lost their cool, right? This judicial group, hopefully you don't see that. I mean, I don't know. Can you see judicial hearings at all? If, like the Supreme Court? I always hear like after the fact, but can you like they don't have that on C SPAN, do they? It's, they're not like televised, right? They're like open, yeah. So but you the yeah, top secret, right? So they might behind closed doors get enraged, but I mean, you know, from from the people's standpoint, right, you, you hopefully don't want think that, like, that's that's going to rule the day, right? You'd want them to kind of weigh the evidence and, you know, think through it and then make a decision. Now, that's also Western thinking. So this is, you know, they were definitely more emotional. Like, it was a custom, you know, we don't see our president lament by ripping his suit, right? You know, but, like, the high priest, that was, a, that was like,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, all right, well, historically speaking, I... <laughs> All right, sorry. We're, we're, in, we're, in, we're in different times now. So, um, but typically, typically it, was, uh, it was it was it um, was expected that the high priest to show his emotions would have like ripped his uh, you know ripped ripped um, his clothes to show that 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 anguish. Um, <clears throat> so they heard it and they were angry. And so we kind of talked about, you know, why, why do you think that they were so angry? And it was like something, right? Why do we get angry? There's something that, like, touches us, right? Like some nerve that hits us in the wrong way, and we get angry. Um, sometimes it's justified, but when it's unjustified, we don't see that they have that case of righteous anger, that something has hit them in a place that... Um, that they're letting their emotions grow and take over in this this case. But, verse 34, But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, he stood up and he gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. So as Gamaliel starts to see, like, they're losing their cool, Like, maybe we should just let them go outside. And then the secret council can convene, right? And talk about, like, exactly what's going on. So the Sanhedrin um, was typically presided over by the high priest. So when we talked about the Sanhedrin, it came from... um, when Moses, when Jethro told Moses to put uh, elders and, and leaders over cases to judge them because Moses was hearing everything and just exhausting himself. And so it kind of was birthed out of that. And uh, we, we said that the, um, the number of this great Sanhedrin, the one that met in Jerusalem, uh, Sanhedrins met in uh, different places. Um, we talked about the number. Typically it could have been 23 um, because 10 made a community, and another 10 would have been uh, bounced to that community, but that was an even number, so we add 1 to 21. Um, and then, I don't know, they added like one more over that. And so it's, it was anywhere from 21 to 23, people made, a, uh, made a, a Sanhedrin, a lesser Sanhedrin. But the Great Sanhedrin, which meant Jerusalem, was 71. And from the verses earlier, it says that all of the Senate came. So we understand that most of them came. Well, until um, 191 BC, the great high, the high priest was the one who kind of presided over the Sanhedrin, but uh, there was some political turmoil uh, during that time, in, in this kind of intertestamental time, and there was mistrust of the high priest, where people were buying their way into being the high priest, and so some people were like, well, you can't just buy your way into this. It wasn't um, in the, the line of Levi anymore. And so they uh, then deemed a president. They called him the Nasi, which means prince. And he typically presided over the great Sanhedrin. So the high priest would have been there, but he wouldn't have been necessarily the leader of what went on. He, The, the voice of reason, the, the person to kind of call things to order. That would have been the president, this, this Nasi. And so Gamaliel was this person. Historically, you can read back and see that Gamaliel was this guy. He was the, the Nasi. <coughs> he was a Pharisee, so he wasn't a Sadducee. He was a Pharisee, um, and uh, he was the one that, that would have been able to kind of gain order into this. So one, you, you see that Gamaliel is highly respected, but also he had the position and the weight behind him to kind of like get everyone's attention and to say, all right, guys, let's, let's kind of rethink this. Um, and so Gamaliel, using his wisdom and prudence, uh, he addresses this group with a history lesson. So he's like, all right, let's get them out and let's kind of think about this. Let's, like, let's start, start thinking about um, how we should uh, proceed. So verse 36 says, For before these days Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him, and he too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So he kind of names two different people. And the first guy, Thutis, which is, it says, you know, he was killed and then people dispersed and he came to nothing. Historically, nobody knows anything about Thutis, and so when Gamaliel mentions him, it would be something like they would have known, but historically was not marked in in the annals to, to know anything about who this guy was. But they would have you know, recognized him, but we don't. We don't, and, and historians don't know who it is. So that's one person. The second guy is Judas the Galilean. Now historically, he was mentioned by Josephus, uh, who is a Jewish historian um, uh, later on in I think, the second century. Um, and uh, he mentions this guy, Judas the Galilean, that he was a leader of the revolt against Rome. So, uh, if any of you guys remember the Christmas story, right, that during the days of Herod, there was a census that went out, right? And so, it was uh, the Caesar at that time um, said that everybody needed to come back to be registered in order to, and that's how Mary and Joseph made their way to Bethlehem, and that's how Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Well, during that time, historically, this, uh, there, this um, Judas... Uh, he, and he would have been in the same kind of area, right? He was in Galilee, uh, was leading a group to resist this census. Because this was carried out by Rome, and that when they were supposed to come back, there was also um, not only the identification of, of coming back and being registered, but you would typically pay a tax uh, in order to do that. that was, there was also a monetary uh, aspect to that. Um, they believed, this zealot group believed, that God was their leader. And because God is their leader and he's the ruler over Israel, uh, you don't need to pay taxes to Caesar. Which is also why when some of the Jewish leaders would have asked Jesus, like, who do we pay taxes to? It would have been playing into uh, this group that did not quite disappear. And some would even say, Josephus actually says that it's this group um, even they went dormant for a while. Uh, one, of, one of the uh, disciples would have been a zealot, a former zealot. Um, but Josephus said that it was this group that actually led to uh, the temple being destroyed uh, around AD 70. But this zealot group kind of popped up around the time of the census and uh, Josephus names them as like the fourth sect of Judaism. The, the three sects are, and we kind of talked about this last time, was Sadducees, we've mentioned them today, Pharisees, and then the third group was the Essenes. They kind of had an um, aesthetic uh, and somewhat, um, you know, they, they went out to the, uh, the desert and kind of, um, even though they were in towns, they kind of, how, what do you call that? Not a monastic, but uh, monastic. monastic, yeah, is that where you kind of, Separate yourself, yeah yeah, and they, and so we know them for the Dead Sea Scrolls, which was God used them to preserve scripture, so what uh, that, but the zealots were sometimes kind of lumped in as a fourth kind of fringe group, and Gamaliel mentions them right this is like thirty forty years later um, about you know about thirty years later is when Gamaliel mentions this group, uh, those that actually so they said no don 't pay your taxes, and Jews that went and abided went to go back and, and uh, register for the census and pay their taxes, some of these zealots burned their houses and stole their cattle. So they you know, inflicted uh, um, uh, retribution amongst their own people. And so that's why sometimes they also had a bad name for them because they were, they were fighting amongst themselves. We don't know anything about how he died, um, Historically, um, again, Josephus mentions his sons as part of like an uprising later on, but we don 't know about how he dies, uh, although Gamaliel just says right that he got the their attention and then just kind of that he perished right so historically we don 't know how he died, Gamaliel says you know he 's no longer around, so he perished as well, right both gained the attention of others right both you know um were likely killed by Roman authorities, um, and their movements just came to nothing. They just failed. So Gamaliel mentions that. Um, And it's good to kind of stop and think that sometimes, you know, when we think like these Jewish leaders, you know, I keep saying like they're the ones in power, which is true on a local level, but sometimes their motives are also, I think highly you see that their motives are self-centered, there is also a protectionist motive as well because if things do get out of hand, if, the, if Jews and Christians come into conflict with one another, who would ultimately step in? The Romans. the Romans would step in, and they would suppress that pretty easily. And We'll find out later on that they do that. Um, we know that uh, later on uh, Claudius uh, would expel the Jews from Rome, and Christians were kind of thrown in there too because often they were arguing uh, about who the Christ was. And so Claudius, as, as emperor, was like, get out of Rome. <laughs> and so they were actually expelled. It was like about a 12-year period um, that they were were told that they were not welcome. And we find out that, that it might be because of that that Priscilla and Aquila ended up traveling around. So we might touch on that a little bit later. Um, but it's really the Romans right, who, who had, had the power, and so they wanted to keep their power but not let things get too out of hand where the Romans came in because when the Romans came in, you know, the, the, the Jewish leaders were kind of put in their place and they weren't held in such high esteem anymore. So Gamaliel kind of mentions these people. Verse 38 says, So, in the present case, he continues, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Okay, so what was Gamaliel's advice? Just let him live, right? Just stay away, right? Just let this thing die out. If it if it if it rises up and gets the attention and it gets out of hand, who who will who will cause them to fail? What's that? The Romans, right? Like we if we put ourselves in this because one of the things is is that the captain of the guard did not want to go bring him by force. Why? Yeah, because while well, the people were like, hey, no, they're healing us, they're, they're, you know, they're, like, we like these guys, they, we, they held them in high esteem, so if the leaders got in, they would look like bad guys, but Gamal was just saying, well, let them, let them, like, if, if, if they rise up, you know, and, and get the attention of others, Romans will put them down, like, we don't have to look like the bad guys, and we can just stand back and be like, you know, that's, that's okay, uh, you know, like, we, we told you all along, right? We told you this, this would just die out. And so they could, they could be in a, a better position. Now, do you think that Gamaliel's statement was a pious statement? Because he says, if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Like, sometimes we think, you know, that, that Gamaliel's advice was actually prophetic, and it is true, right? You know, we do we do know we know who's behind this story, right? We know. Okay, and if he was opposing them, who thinks that their movement is of God? Do they think it's of of God? They don't, right? So they actually think like this is going to fail out. But the people, right, think that this is a group that God is using. Obviously, if the people are being healed. Like, the, the masses are coming and bringing their people in. And so he, he's, again, just saying, if it's of, of God, we may be even found opposing God. So if we stick our necks out if we say that we're trying to resist this group, you know, he's not saying we're actually resisting God, but we're resisting what the people think is of God.
1: How many months?
0: Uh, How many months? Yeah, we don't know exactly how many months, but probably within, I would say probably within a couple years. Probably a couple years? Yeah, I would would say to get this movement up, you know, because we we know that 40 days happen, right, for the the Pentecost, or really 50 days after the, the crucifixion. Um, 40 days with Jesus was there, 10 days, and then after that, so 50 days after Passover, so that's a couple months there, um, and then we have all these people healed, and then we have the issue where Peter and John are arrested, and then more people come in, and people are selling their land and and gaining the attention, and then people are coming outside and drawing their people in, so it could be as little as like maybe I don't know. Again, I'm talking, kind I of think off the top of my head, like six months. But maybe more like it's it's kind of evolved over a year or two. It has to be enough time again where people need others to sell their land in order to keep sustaining them. Um, but uh, probably no more than than you know. I would say two years is probably two on the on the high end, and six months is maybe on the low end. But probably around a year, I would say.
1: So the Jesus trial is all fresh on all the San Diego's
0: mind. Yeah, I mean, all of these things are going to be fresh on their mind. Uh, like, what's fresh on their mind is like they just Peter and John just came before them, and uh, and you know, again, uh, these things are happening where the captain of the guard is coming in and making arrests, and 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 uh, yeah. So all of this would be fresh on their minds, and again, we're going to see this happen in just a little bit. Again, um, not today, but shortly, we'll see see what happens. Um, but yeah, all of this is kind of like we we have to take care of this because I mean the church has exploded, right? Thousands of people have come to Christ in this short time, this short short period of time, and people are getting baptized. And so again, it, it would have been well known amongst the people something's going on. So it says right. So Gamaliel wants to avoid like this martyr situation where if they step in and, and something happens to the apostles. They were opposing God and you know and and actually you know they look like the bad guys, and so he says, just let them let them do their thing, and so they took it as his advice verse thirty nine says and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go so I mean they have to to get a good beating in right you know in order to like send their message right again, assert like who's really in charge here so and that would be typical. It would be typical that somebody would come before them. If they let them without any sort of punishment, maybe they would have looked at it as like nothing, you know, every, you know, that they weren't doing anything wrong. So they didn't want to send that message. So yes, uh, according to the Sanhedrin, they were doing something wrong. The message they're preaching is counter to the message that the high priests are teaching. And so they beat them. They told them, you know, do not speak again in the name of Jesus, even though they said that before, right? So it's, it's like... They keep threatening them, and then they let them go, because they knew, again, they didn't want to be looked at as opposing what God is doing and uh, have this turn into something bigger. So they followed Gilmael's advice and said, let them go. It says, then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So how do the apostles respond? After they were beaten and let go. And told, don't speak anymore. About it more. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. First they rejoiced. I mean, it was like, ooh, that hurt. But man, I was so, we were so thankful to be a part of what got... So when, we, you know, when I say like nothing bad has happened, I mean, these guys were arrested and beaten more than a couple times, right? Any time you're thrown in jail... Something bad has happened to you, unless, you know, that's part of your lifestyle. But, you know, then, uh, but typically, right, something's happened. And so, but, but if you've been thrown in jail, you've been beaten, right, something, like, it's, it's not a good day for you. And so they were, they were, that happened, but it was all part of God's plan, right? And they rejoiced in that, again, knowing that God is in control, Fully being affirmed step by step, and that even being thrown in jail was part of God's plan for them. What's that? It increased, it increased their faith even more. It increased their resolve even more. It did things that along the way, that being timid disciples who all scattered when the authorities came in. right, they came in with their torches and the captain of the guard at night. They grabbed Jesus. Jesus was like, hey everything's okay. And they're like, not everything's okay. And they ran, right? It says one of them, Mark, you know, it's probably Mark ran off naked, right? Or half clothed. And uh, Peter denied him. And so all these things happened. And so like, but now we see over this time, however long it's been, it maybe a year, maybe less than that, in that in that uh, time, that their resolve is increasing. Because God is like, I'm not done with you. Like This is just the beginning of what we're starting here. And I need you to be in the place that you need to be to continue to move. it. And we, we can probably look in our own lives like things that occur in our own lives that increase our faith or increase our strength um, year by year. And then we go through peaks and valleys in our own faith and, and, and how, we, um, you know, how we respond to adversities in our life. So, did they stop teaching? No. Where did they go? Where were they teaching? The Says so they taught in the temple, right? <laughs> they, didn't even, they didn't even say like, okay, maybe we shouldn't teach around the temple anymore. We'll just teach in our houses, right? No, they were like, listen, God wants us to continue to be in the center of where all the people are gathering, the center of, of uh, Jewish community life was there in the temple. And so they continued to preach there. They continued to preach intimately, house to house. And that's, you know, again, we saw that that is what made up the early church, that they were going around, they were eating together, they were having this. And so they continued to privately and publicly teach. Yeah. Before we go on, just a quick comment on telling Adam. Yeah, I think we kind of
1: glossed over that. I'm trying to picture, okay, getting thrown in jail.
0: Yeah. And what, yeah, and what we don't know is we don't know that the apostles knew that, there are kind of two things. We don't know that, this, that they knew the Sanhedrin was like, just let them do their thing and hopefully it'll die out. Yeah. They're like, preaching again, like, yeah. am I going to get arrested again? Am I going to get, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we see that. It's going to happen, you know, in, in the next couple of weeks of our teaching. We're going to see like, that will end up being the reaction. And we, because that's the other thing, is that they go back and they keep preaching Right? They keep basically poking their eye in the Sanhedrin uh, every day as they're going to the temple and as they're carrying out their duties and they're gritting their teeth as they're like, we said we would just let this go. We said we were just going to let this die out. We said we are just going to like, hopefully this will come to nothing. And they keep, you know, they keep teaching, they keep preaching. And so we see kind of like their resolve increasing, their trust in the Lord increasing, again, not knowing what's going to happen, and on the opposite side, the anger of, of those that are in power are increasing as well. And we're going to see this finally come to a head, um, like I said, in, in a couple weeks. Um, so, to kind of summarize this, right? You know, we all, people are going to respond to the gospel in various ways. It, it, could, be, it could be jealousy, right? You know, some, people, some people go to church because they're like, you know, I don't know, that's just kind of what everyone's doing, or, you know, maybe people have their lives together, or, you know, they have some sort of mental picture of what is going on, and so they might they might respond in different ways, or they might respond negatively, because they're like, I just don't want to be associated with that. And there's just some sort of emotions uh, that are attached with that. It could be confusion. Like, I don't know. It sounds like a bunch of, you know, stuff. I have to get my life together. I have to, it has to change, or whatever. Like, confusion about what the gospel is. And sometimes... You find out that people don't know anything about the true gospel, even though they might have grown up, you know, around Christians. They've just never been told clearly um, what it is that, that we believe. And then some people get angry. And, you know, that's, that's often probably the, the reason that, you know, we might shrink and might not share the gospel with others is because there have been those people that just get angry, um, you know, if you've, I remember in seminary, they had us go door to door, knocking on doors. And, you know, no, I've, whatever reason, like whenever knock, somebody knocks on your door, if you don't know them, you're typically like, go, like on defense. And so that's, that's usually the reaction uh, of people. And so some people just get angry. And so you're like, whoa, Okay. On to the next one, right? And so it, it it can make you kind of shrink back, especially if you share and, and people blow up because their emotions, right, take over. They're not having reasoned responses. And so motives aren't always clear, right? Sometimes we also want to attach, like, why people are, are responding the way they do, but emotions often kind of cloud their thinking. And that's kind of one response to the gospel and one response to Jesus. And so we see that clearly, and the Jewish leaders happening there. Yeah? I have one in common um,
1: example. And through true that the people say those emotions, and that's just excuses. People uh, like say whatever, whenever I've encountered whenever share sharing the gospel, they'll say that it's just, they'll make up excuses and just because they don't want to hear it. Make up
0: some, or it, or like that? Yeah, I mean, there, there's, you know, it's, it's true. There's a lot of things that we just don't want to face. And there's, like, little things. I mean, sometimes we, like, don't want to do the dishes, right? So we just, like, pretend that they're, <laughs> like, I'll do them later. Not if this ever happened in our household. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know... So there are minor things like that. And then people, you know, as far as like things that we, we see as eternal, like people kind of treat in the same way. Like I just don't want to, you know, it's like the email I don't want to send or the person I don't want to talk to. I just don't want to come to grips with this. And so I'll, I just have an excuse. And so whatever reason they have, right, like that's their response. And so that's one response, right, to the gospel. But we see that, you know, the other response played out by the apostles is a response that those who follow Christ – uh, should have, and that's just obedience. Obedience in the moment to whatever it is. If it's, you know, I want you to go out and preach, go out and preach. If I want you to, to be reserved, be reserved. I want you to go to someone's house, you know. You know whatever it is, public or private, right? Because God knows the hearts of men, and he, he, he will judge and rule overall. Gamaliel was true, right? You might be opposing God, even though he was probably saying it self-servingly, but we know that that was actually a prophetic statement that he was saying, that this could be a movement of God the apostles knew, well, we know this is a movement of God. And in their hearts, they probably knew it was a movement of God as well. Like, how else does somebody escape jail, heal people, do all these things if God is not involved, right? Their business is being in the business of God, right? But they've twisted it for whatever reason and uh, let, the, you know, let other things kind of come to surface. So those are two responses. Kind of think about those as uh, we see this again in Acts, and, and we'll continue on saying how things develop uh, in the church over the, the upcoming weeks. Any uh, questions or closing statements or comments?
1: I was talking to a guy yesterday, sharing the gospel with him. And he claimed to be an atheist, but he was. He didn't want to think about his sins, so he's training his mind because the sin was kind of driving him crazy. So I, he said, "I have to train my mind away from my sin on other things." I said, well, you're, you're deceiving yourself. You need to repent of that sin and put your trust in Christ. So that's that's another thing. We, the personal deception. We just try to think about other things and distract ourselves mm-hmm. from the truth.
0: All right, because the heart is deceitfully wicked. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. Good. All right, you guys are dismissed.